Welcome to Gold Diggers, a podcast on strategy, goals, and growth. We'll cover all sorts of topics on OKRs, KPIs, strategy, and everything in between. Gold Diggers is brought to you by Purdue, a powerful goal management platform that helps organizations bridge the strategy execution gap. Use Purdue to increase transparency, alignment, and accountability, and simply head over to purdue.com to sign up for your very own free account. That is P-E-R-D-O-O.com. Welcome to another episode of Gold Diggers. I'm Henrik, founder and CEO of Purdue, an OKR platform focused on growth and strategy execution. I'm today's host, and with me today is Philip Engelhardt. We'll be talking today about OKR and growth strategies. Philip, could you tell us a bit about yourself and your journey with OKR? Well, first of all, thank you for having me, uh, Henrik. So yes, I'm Philip, Philip Engelhardt. I'm the founder of uh, Scalion. Scalion is a consultancy here in Berlin that is focused on growth strategies and is combining the development of growth strategies very closely with actually managing growth. Especially when talking about growth strategies, you should also know of how to execute them. That's one of the specialties of uh, of, uh, growth strategies. I encountered fast growth the very first time when I was CFO at Groupon during their hypergrowth phase. So Groupon scaled to the first $1 billion in revenue in just two years. That was really strong growth. And that's where my interest in growth, growth strategies, growth management is coming from. I also did a, a PhD at the University of St. Gallen in Switzerland on how to manage growth. Um, and I also published academically on uh, on OKRs. So uh, I hope I can uh, provide some insights also from the yeah more academic uh, perspective on OKRs and growth strategies today. Yeah, exactly. I think that will be really really interesting for this uh, for this podcast, but before we dive into that, could you ex- explain to me like what exactly is growth? Because I think when people think of growth uh, they all think about uh, rev- growing revenue numbers month over month, quarter over quarter, and so on. But maybe you can shed some more light about how you look at growth, what you think growth is. And then I also like to learn a bit more than what is a growth strategy. Actually, that's a very philosophical question. What is growth? And it's actually a very essential one as well. So most people, as you said, are thinking growth in terms of revenue growth. Maybe if you're a young company startup, yeah, you're scaling, you're thinking in terms of more headcount, yeah, so organizational size. But these are rather outcome metrics. What is ultimately growth? And my answer is that growth results from learning processes within the organization, within people, yeah, but not only individual people, also uh, people as a team and as a whole organization. So I always say that growth is learning and there's an essential uh, insight in that because learning can actually be organized for, learning can be managed. You cannot manage growth uh, in terms of revenue, but you can manage the learning going into uh, organization. And that's also the key difference between a growth strategy and other forms of strategies like harvesting a position or defending a position. Here you don't need learning processes necessarily or uh, very one-dimensional learning processes. 
Um, only growth strategies really focusing on the learning behind uh, the increasing revenue number. And that's basically the theoretical concept behind all growth strategies that we develop at Scalion with our customers. That's really interesting what you said at the start, because I think uh, your definition of growth for a business is very aligned with how someone would define growth for him or her as a person. I think when, when someone talks about, like, I've grown a lot as a person, I think that's also a reflection of them having learned a lot going through a difficult phase, having overcome certain challenges and have learned from these challenges. So I really like your definition there. And I think it's very different to what, how other people would uh, define growth. So it's important that we've clarified that at the start of the podcast before we dive deeper into that. Now, what's the relationship between growth, growth strategies and OKRs? How do you see the two work together? So OKRs are, are goals. And um, in order to manage growth, you need a, a cascade or a sequence of different types of goals in an organization. At the top, usually you have something like a mission or a purpose, which is a goal that you chase but never achieve. The next level is a vision. You can achieve a vision, uh, but it's long time from now, yeah? five to 10 years, usually 10 years. Uh, from now. The uh, next step is that you have a strategy that is outlining clear strategic goals for a time frame of 12 to 36 months, depending on where in your life cycle your company is. And then the next level in most organizations is rather the task level. That's very surprising. The task level is what am I doing today, tomorrow, next week, yeah? maybe two weeks from now, which is very clear. And OKRs, which is also a type of goals, is getting between the operational tasks yeah, today, tomorrow, next week, and the grand strategy 12, 24, 36 months from now. Yeah, it's covering this middle ground. And in covering that middle ground, OKRs support learning how to achieve the growth strategy. Yeah, there's this, this middle ground is often missing, and OKRs became so popular because they are filling this gap with a very clear and easy concept. Most organizations don't have that three to four, five, six months of, uh, of goal setting. That's the first part. Yeah? So they fill a gap in the, in the types of organizational goals that uh, an organization should have. The second essential uh, dimension of the relationship between OKRs and growth strategies is that OKRs support learning learning about how to achieve the growth strategy. Yeah, what is learning? Learning is you have a goal, you're being active, and you're getting feedback. And based on that feedback, you adapt your goal. And this cycle of goal, activity, and feedback is beautifully uh, closed in a very smart way, closed uh, by OKRs. So it really supports the learning processes that are necessary to uh, to implement um, the growth strategy and reach the growth objectives. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> Again, I, I really like what you what you mentioned there. I think we t we take a similar approach with Purdue. Uh, we stop differentiating between a mission and a, and a vision because we've learned that people are just very confused about what these terms mean. But in the end, uh, when you ask questions, they I think pretty much every organization has a mission and a vision. It's just that they sometimes call their vision the mission or the other way around. So we said, okay, that, that really shouldn't matter. And we said, let's, let's just call it the ultimate goal of the organization and combine the two together so you can't mix them up again. 
But yeah, we also look at these very, the mission and the vision as essentially being a goal. So the way I look at goals is that they bridge the gap between a desired point into the future and today's reality, right? By setting, when you start a business, there's a problem that you want to solve. So you call that the mission and, and you're essentially saying like, okay, this is where we or the world is today. And this is where we want to be at a future point in time. And then you work your way backwards and, and some organizations start defining a strategy, although I also see lots of startups skipping that phase uh, and they're so focused on learning, uh, as, which sometimes it's the learning that will help them figure out what the right strategy should be for their organization. But we see plenty of organizations that, that don't have a clear strategy or they are mixing up strategy and something being strategic. So they set a long-term goal for three years into the future and then they set, that's our strategy. Although from our point of view, a strategy is really highlighting your differentiators in the market. It's helping you differentiate yourself from the competition, which is kind of like eternal, right? So for example, at Purdue, we focused very strongly on offering the best resources and support, especially because most organizations are new to OKR. And oftentimes they do need more than just the software to become successful with it, which is also proving why consultancies like you exist, of course, although you do a lot more than just OKRs. But I think that's 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 also an important difference for organizations to be aware of that you're not mistaking a long-term goal with that being your your strategy. And then I totally agree. I also see lots of organizations, if if they have a strategy in place, then going directly to the task level. Why do you think that is the case? Because I was always under the impression that it's quite simple for any individual within an organization to sit down and start thinking, okay, what do I need to do today? What do I need to do this week? That's fairly easy. And I also have the impression, although I'm not entirely sure, you tell me if that's correct or not, that it's fairly easy to set high-level long-term goals, right? So you, you, you can come up with like a, a mission for your organization. You can come up with a vision for your organization, but it's that area in between exactly the area that OKRs cover, which is quite hard to say like, okay, where, where do we want to be at the end of the quarter? Do you have the, the same experience or how do you look at that? Yeah, I, I make exactly the same experience. So it's, I think it's fun to come up with a bold vision. Yeah. Startup culture is very much encouraging that and that it's okay. But as I said, it's not the only type of goal that you should know. Also strategy, you know, looking 36 months into the future is kind of fun yeah, because you're envisioning a state of the company in the distant future, but it's not as near so that you are really accountable yeah, or you have to think it or even can think it through very, very well. Yeah? So vision, purpose, strategy, that's all tapping into the more or less unknown. On the other hand, the operational level, yeah, today, tomorrow, next week, it's very much known. For me, yeah. it's very clear. I mean, my calendar tells me what am I doing today? What am I doing tomorrow? What am I doing next week? Maybe the next four weeks yeah, basically are quite clear. But beyond that, it gets hard. Yeah? Uh, yeah. So what OKRs are doing is they combine a certain element of what is known about the next three months with exploring uh, the, the areas that are not, not known so well yeah, that I have to define three months from now so that uh, I really progress. Yeah? So you have an interesting balance between what you know for sure, which is always comfortable, and what you don't know. 
and that quite uh, interestingly concentrates in OKRs. And it does so according to very strict principles. And you combine that with strong accountability yeah, because there's a lot of measurability or at least uh, you can ver verify the achievement of key results uh, well. Uh, so you combine that in OKRs and you're very much accountable for that. And that's hard for people. Yeah, I've done, I don't know how many thousands of OKRs already defined uh, with, with customers and I always find the same. It's, it's intellectually hard and it's sometimes also a little bit scary Yeah, because you're so accountable for something that uh, that is is not 100% under under one's control yeah, and this is this is you've got to get into that mindset in order to really benefit from okrs yeah i i i recognize that for sure i mean setting okrs it, it is absolutely hard and or setting good okrs but like i do find it a really valuable exercise and and you definitely see that you are getting better in that over time and i think Because that level was missing and because yeah, lots of people want to make sure that, that OKRs are actually not reflecting so much what they need to do. That's already like you already know that, that it's already on the task level, but are reflecting more like, okay, what are the results that we want to achieve? What are the outcomes that we're after by doing all these things? And because that level was missing in most organizations, uh, the only measurement of success, I think, in the past was the completion of certain tasks. And as you mentioned, that's fully within your control. So that's that's very safe. You feel very comfortable there. Whereas with OKRs, the measurement of success is not necessarily anymore the completion of certain tasks or finishing certain projects, but it's it's actually a level higher. I said, okay, why were we working on these tasks? Why did we start these projects? What results were we expecting to achieve by doing that? And have we achieved those results? And then it can be, of course, that you've worked for a week on a certain project or a, a couple of tasks, and then you see that it's actually not generating desired results, which means that you need to go back and try different things to, to work on, which is, of course, a lot more challenging than just completing the task like you've been used to doing that. But going back to our topic, like what, what requirements does a strategy then uh, need to fulfill in order to support OKRs? Or, I mean, we can also turn that question around, but what requirements do OKRs uh, need to fulfill in order to support a strategy? What's your take on that? Yeah, that's actually very important. So there's two schools on OKRs. I call that the strategic school and the HR school. And both are valid. Yeah, I don't dismiss any of these schools, but you've got to be sure which perspective you're taking. And the strategic school is linking OKRs to strategy. It considers OKRs as a strategic management framework in order to translate strategy into short-term, yeah, three-month goals. And while the HR view is rather about managing performance Uh, on the employee level. Yeah, that's two distinct things. So OKRs should be obviously conceptualized the first way yes, as a strategic management framework. In order to really link into, into strategy or be able to link into strategy, OKRs need a quite brief, precise, easy to understand uh, set of strategic goals that, uh, that the OKRs can work into, yeah, pay into. So you cannot have the typical McKinsey 510 slides uh, presentation. Yeah? So you, cannot, you cannot attach OKRs to that. You need to really boil it down uh, to strategic goals that OKRs then work into. Uh, I always recommend that strategy should be measurable. Yeah? So we always include core metrics into 
the strategy uh, that uh, that is being pursued over next 12, 24, 36 months. And the strategy should be able to be sold like a product into the organization. We have quite a lot of success with thinking of OKRs like a product, yeah, to uh, of strategy like a product that is being sold into the uh, company. And uh, uh, a last requirement of strategy uh, for OKRs is that the strategy itself needs to be adaptable because OKRs provide feedback. It's not a one-way street between strategy, you know, strategy defining what OKRs is supposed to be doing. OKRs also provide feedback to strategy. Yeah? And if the OKRs provide feedback to strategy in a way that strategy must be adapted, this should be possible and should be possible in an easy way. Yeah? So we have a framework on um, that we always use to frame strategy and attach OKRs to it. And mostly we combine the two projects. Yeah? So we craft growth strategies for our customers and then execute it by introducing uh, OKRs in, in, the, in our client organization. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy that you called out the, the two schools of strategy. That's actually something that I probably should have mentioned at the start of this uh, podcast. There are absolutely two schools of, of using OKRs, one for strategy uh, and one for HR. At Purdue, we're focusing on the strategy and strategy execution use case, of course. There's tons of OKR tools out there that focus on the HR use case. It's absolutely a valid space and has a right of existence on its own. It's just not something that we focus on at Purdue. And that, of course, then also has set the scope for this particular podcast. But I'm happy that you've, that you've called it out and clarified that. Um, yeah, the other thing that I, that I really like what you mentioned is, is connecting OKRs to strategy, because I think... It, it, serves, it solves two important problems within an organization. First of all, as a leader of a business, when these two are connected, you can all of a sudden see how your organization is planning to implement and execute your strategy, which is something that wasn't possible before, uh, and which is why we at Purdue believe why it's so important that you track your strategy and your OKRs in the same place. And I think the other advantage is, is that people in the organization can now better understand and can see the strategy, better understand the strategy. I totally agree with you that for some organizations, a strategy is is like a 10-page document for one particular strategy that they have, which is something that the organization can never Remember, often it uses way too complicated language so that people don't understand it. And then there is no point, right? If, if, if you set out a strategy that everyone in the organization cannot see or cannot understand, then how in the world can you make sure that they can actually support this, their strategy with their daily work and with their OKRs? But when you bring the two together, provided that you have made sure, of course, that the strategy is there and easy to understand and easily accessible, then now people are much better able to uh, decide themselves what OKRs they should and should not be working on. So I think that can increase autonomy within an organization. And people are better able to see the bigger picture uh, and can better see why they are working on certain things and what higher level goals of the organization uh, and what higher level strategy of the organization that should support, which I think is a big complaint from, from employees that they just don't see how their work fits into the, into the bigger picture. Yeah, absolutely. I, I made a very interesting experience one year ago when the pandemic started with customers that had both these tools at hand. So first, a strategy that is really condensed basically on one PowerPoint slide yeah? uh, and, uh, and executing on that strategy uh, with OKRs. Yeah? When something hits like a pandemic, then you can change the course of your organization very quickly First, by altering your strategy, 
yeah. Yeah? moving from a growth strategy more to an emerging strategy, at least for, let's say, six months or so, and then see. And second, by changing the length of the cycle of the OKRs, yeah? going down from three months to six weeks. That's basically what uh, a couple of customers uh, did after consulting with me. And that allows these organizations to shift course, react to yeah, big changes like the pandemic, but also smaller changes that are necessary because of a competitor or a new technology or whatsoever faster. Yeah? Really put the organization on a, on a different path. Yeah. However, that's only possible if, you're, if an organization is very clear on both the strategy and how to communicate it yeah, and how to frame it and using OKRs as an iterative tool every cycle whether whatever the length is three months six weeks two months yeah. whatever yeah you can you can play with that yeah it's not always clear uh, to people that they can play with that right i think a lot of people yeah. read about okrs in the book and then they just distill all the rules and then that's how they want to implement it and then one of the things that you see everybody do is set okrs at the at the team level at least on a, on a quarterly basis but um how often you want to set OKRs, that is really up to like, how often do you want to get that feedback? And how often do you want to decide what, what you should be focusing on uh, next? So I don't think many people are aware that the OKR is a very flexible framework and that can be totally adjusted to your, the specific needs of your organization or to, uh, to special circumstances, as you mentioned, like COVID all of a sudden becoming a problem. We've, we've went through different iterations ourselves like we started off with monthly okrs when we were younger and smaller just because things were changing so rapidly so we wanted to get much more rapid feedback then we went to six weeks now we're at quarterly uh, and maybe at some point we'll switch back to six weeks for example if, if if things change so i think it's very important for people to be aware that you have that flexibility in the okr framework and shouldn't treat it as dogmatic as like this is how you need to do it uh, and this is how we need to do it I often think when people say OKR wasn't working out for us, that they've taken it too seriously and, and thought like there's one way to do it that's not working out for us and therefore we're throwing it away, even though there's so many different approaches to OKR that you can take as an organization. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have two types of projects with respect to OKRs. One is a new introduction, yeah? and the other one is fixing OKRs that did not work previously. And yeah. OKRs, uh, there's a difficulty with OKRs because it sounds so easy. And then you read the book of John Durr and then you're inspired and, uh, you know, <laughs> yes. and, and founders try it out themselves. But uh, the devil is really in the detail and understanding all the parameters that can be changed and need to be really customized so that uh, OKRs uh, fit to an organization and then understanding what are the the variables uh, to be monitored so that the, the system, the OKR system, actually evolves through the life cycle of, uh, of a company. That's, that's not something that you can really read from uh, John Durr. Uh, so, um, no, I agree. Although it's maybe a funny uh, recommendation from a consultancy that also does OKRs, um, but I, uh, I always recommend to at least consult someone uh, that has experience with OKRs yeah? because as I said the devil is really in the detail and the possibilities that we just uh, that we had just talked about they need to be known in order for OKRs to develop their full uh, power. Yeah and I, I support that recommendation because I do think that fixing a failed implementation of OKR is a lot harder than doing it right first time 
So yeah, I mean, I also I also think that the reason why it looks so simple is, for example, in John Doerr's book, the examples that he uses a lot is about the football team, where there are a lot of knowns, right? You know which battles you are fighting. You know what you have, the capabilities that you have in your team. There's, there's a lot more clarity there than there is in organizations where there is a lot more uncertainty. And a football team is, is uh, I don't know, to be honest, like what, 20 people maybe? Uh, whereas in organizations with 50, 100 or thousands of people, setting OKRs across such a larger organization with more people, I think that becomes a lot more complex. Because, I mean, there's people, there are people out there that apply OKRs to their personal life. Whether you set them as OKRs or not doesn't matter. But I think setting personal goals is fairly easy, right? But when you want to set goals together with a group of people to achieve a set of higher level goals and to help support a strategy, I think that's where the complexity kicks in. Uh, and that, I think, is also very risky with a lot of the content being created, right? Because if you write, I mean, I write a lot of content about OKR myself, and I always try to come up with analogies and examples, but I'm also very aware that it's it's fairly easy to come up with an example that supports the point that you're trying to make in an article. And it's fairly easy to come up with a good list of example OKRs that people can look to. But I think the tricky thing is that every organization and every team is unique and facing different challenges. So even though you have a good list of example OKRs, yeah, it can help inspire people. But what you really need to do is to educate them on the, the, the thinking process that helps you come up with good OKRs, because that's where the real value is, right? Just copying over an example OKR from another team. I don't think that's really going to help you much in the long run. I think it's much more... Uh, you have that example, right? Give a man a fish and he'll, he's not hungry anymore. Teach a man how to fish and then he'll never be hungry again. I think that that's logic also applies to, to OKRs. Like you really want to be educating people on, on how do you identify what are the right things for you to work on next. And I think once you've mastered that, that's a massive skill to possess for your personal career uh, as well. Because any organization that you join, any other team that you'll join in the future... Uh, if you have someone in your team that is really able to see like this is these are problems that we should be addressing and I know how to address these problems from my previous experience, I think that's that's massively valuable for anyone. Going back to OKRs and, and growth, like what, one more question about that. Why and when do you think OKRs are especially useful for high growth companies? So if you are a high growth company, like when, when is the right time for these companies to introduce OKRs? And do you think organizations should to, to start working with OKRs right from the start? Or do you think they need to get past a certain point for OKRs to become helpful? What's your take on that? I would always start with introducing OKRs very early, as early as possible. Even if you're just two, three founders, uh, use OKRs and, uh, and will really benefit you. As we said, yeah, make the cycles uh, shorter yeah, because as a startup, you cannot just do goal setting four times a year. Yeah, so you've got to be shorter. But use it early on. Goals, short-term goals are the learning engine among all the management instruments that are out there. Yeah, that's a, it's really facilitating the learning in the organization. It's doing more benefit to learning than other management instruments like incentives, like organizational structures, like KPIs, also more than, uh, than, the, uh, than the growth strategy. Yeah? So it's really a, the learning engine of an organization. OKRs are structured in a way so that they foster a culture of learning because of the very profound principles that OKRs come uh, with. Everyone needs to 
suggest their own OKRs, but everyone else needs to agree. Yeah, that is a, a platform for learning together in de debate uh, and de discussion. And also OKRs are, are an easy framework, at least at first sight, uh, and they are on vogue, so to say. Uh, so it's it's quite easy to sell them to your employees. Yeah, we also <laughs> have some. <laughs> <laughs> we also have some uh, some larger customers, so bigger corporations, um, and also some some companies from German Mittelstand uh, that uh, want to change their culture in, into the direction of more learning, and they use OKRs uh, to do that. But most of all, if you are a growing organization and you want to facilitate learning, then you can use OKRs like hypothesis of how to drive growth strategies and the KPIs associated to it. Yeah? So you can think of the objective as a hypothesis of what you want to reach within the time frame of three months. And then the key results as the validation or falsification of that, uh, of that hypothesis. And if your hypothesis driven as a high growth company uh, of how to drive Yeah, something forward that is uh, important that is usually being crafted into the growth strategy. Yeah, then you are facilitating growth uh, uh, strongly. Yeah, so there's there's a couple of reasons why OKRs are especially useful for high growth companies. Yeah, because it's about learning. And learning needs to be managed, and OKRs manage learning. But it's not only restricted to high-growth companies, of course. As I said, we have bigger corporations and also German Mittelstand yeah. and startups among our customers. So uh, designed the right way, OKRs uh, can, can really benefit all of them. Thanks, Philip. Uh, I think this is a good way to end the podcast. So I want to thank you a lot for your time today and sharing your thoughts with our audience. Uh, that's really appreciated. And uh, I've learned lots of new things from you today. So thanks again. And yeah, that's it from my end. Henrik, thank you very much for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Philip. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to Gold Diggers to stay up to date with all our upcoming episodes.